Well, welcome to part one of a four-part series titled Culture Shock. And I get really passionate about all our series, that God has a journey that he grows us up. This series, I'm extra excited about. I don't know how many planners are in here, but I'm a guy that plans out these series, and I, I write them ahead of time, then I come in that week, I'm going to deliver it, and I'm, God messes with it and stuff. I had this series written for a while, and God completely ripped what I was going to do and did another thing. And I don't know about you, but that freaks me out, because I like to plan. Is there any planners? Like, you would not like that, right? A yes. I see you feel my heart this morning. And I was like, oh, man. Like, next week's message, I'm so excited for next week's message. I'm going to have, like, a giant thing here. That's all. You just, and you know it's a thing, okay? It's just, it's going to be awesome. Turn your neighbor and say, it's going to be awesome. I believe that God is going to use this message series in a powerful way in your life and in our church. I believe this is huge. One of the things that we say around here, and you guys have the t-shirts, live love. Live like Jesus, that's what this series is all about. And let's be honest, culture can shock us at times. We live in a day and age that it's very divisive in our culture today. Topics and issues are changing. We live in a day and age where people are trying to redefine marriage, where people are saying that they get to choose whatever gender they want to be. We live in a day and age where we argue about immigration. Do we build a wall? Do we not build a wall? How do we handle the foreigner? We live in a generation where Republicans hate Democrats and Democrats hate Republicans. We live in a generation that has seen absolute culture shock. And I'm not going to make this a political series. But I want us at Radiant Life to know one thing. Whether a Republican or a Democrat is in the White House, you need to pray for that person. I need a whole lot more amens on that, because that scares me if I didn't get an amen. So let's try that again. Whether it's a Republican in the White House or a Democrat, you need to be praying for that person. Stop putting God in a political party. Yeah, that was, that was another one. That was good. We do. We put God in a political party. You cannot put God in a political party. You cannot do it. Well, this party's for that, and that's godly. Yep. But this party over here is better at that, and God is for those things as well. That's all I'm saying about politics. I would hate to be the president of this country when 50% of this country hates you and media smears you, that's not fun. Whether you voted for that person or not, that is not fun. Can we just be praying for whoever's in the White House? Whether we agree or disagree with them, they need prayer. Start praying that whoever's president be surrounded by people who are Jesus followers and impact them. This series is going to be how do we handle culture when things are shifting on us? 
How do you and I live like Jesus in the midst of it, yet still, hand, still holding firm our truth of who God is and what his word says, but yet on the flip side of giving grace at the same time? How do we do it? If you are going to live in this culture, that's completely shocking. It's going to be messy. There's going to be times where you don't understand. It's going to be inconsistent. You may treat this person this way, this person another way, depending on the circumstances. It's just going to be inconsistent and unfair. And most importantly, it's going to be confusing. If you and I are truly going to live like Jesus in a culture that is constantly shifting and trying to redefine things, it's confusing. But how do we do it? What does it look like? Did you know that Historians and theologians today say that America, you are on the brink. If not, you are already one or two steps into a post-Christian culture in America. Europe is already there. So is our neighbors to the north, Canada. They're there. In other words, church is becoming irrelevant in Europe and Canada. And those people that pastor and are theologians and way smarter than all of us combined probably are over there saying, hey, America, wake up. It's coming to you. You're on the brink because we were there. We understand where you're heading. But do you know that theologians in America and evangelicals believe that there is going to be a, a revival soon that is going to sweep across America and then we will have great impact in Canada and Europe. It's going to be that tr trickle effect to go back over the seas. It's going to start with you as a follower of Jesus. But if culture is shifting, and sometimes we stay back and be like, ah, wow, that's shocking. You, we have to know when culture shifts, we must respond the right way. And the church and history has not done a very good job of this. So my question is, what is the right way? How do we respond when there's issues on the table that we don't agree with? Maybe you're, you're for it or against it, whatever. How do you and I respond the right way so we can have impact of culture? How do we do it? Because Jesus did it. Jesus who was perfect and holy. <laughs> yet hung around prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners. And they still felt loved by him. You know, I was in here Thursday, and I come in on Thursdays, and I pray over, I lay my hands on everything that's in here, just praying for you guys, that you guys are going to experience Jesus every single Sunday and find freedom. That's what I pray for you. And I was walking, and I was thinking about this message, and I was like, you know what? What would Radiant Life view me or say if they saw me walking out of a hotel with a prostitute? Or at a restaurant with a known prostitute. At the coffee shop with a prostitute. You know what the first thing that came to my head was? Social media. You would see my picture everywhere on social media. Can't believe that radio life pastor. There he is. But can I say, that's exactly what Jesus did. In the most scandalous way, Jesus met a woman at a well. You men, you never did that. 
You never met her in midday because women never went to the well midday. You went to go get water in the morning when the weather is cool or at night when the weather is cool. A woman never went midday. The only women that were out by a well midday are prostitutes. Except this one woman went to the well and Jesus was right there with her. Scandalous. Yet Jesus did it. And Jesus hung around Matthew, the tax collectors, when everyone's like, ah, Jesus, stay away, they're unclean, they're horrible people. Jesus says, ah, I need to be with them as well. And we get a, a beautiful picture in John. If you, if you want to take notes or you follow along, John chapter 1 in the New Testament, John chapter 1. John is a disciple of Jesus He's a disciple of Jesus, and what we get a beautiful picture of is he's like, hey, I saw Jesus in flesh, and I want to tell you exactly how Jesus responded to shocking people, people we might disagree with. How did that happen? But before we get into John, it'll be on the screens. I want, I want to sh tell you one thing. When culture shifts, often you see believers responding in one of two ways. Number one, you get extremely dogmatic. We have brothers and sisters that swing this way that says, hey, I know what God's truth is, and you're wrong, and they don't care if you're going to hell. They want you to know you're wrong. Even though you may be right, it's not helpful. God didn't call us to be right. God called you to be effective. There's a little more amens that time, but that was good. Thank you. He called you to be effective. And if it is not helpful, even though you're right, listen, it's wrong. But here's the flip side. Those are people with megaphones and signs, you know, it says, you're going to hell, turn a, you know. No one else knows that, right? Outside like football games or whatever. Dude, I witnessed that at the big house. Guy with big old sign, he's walking around with a pole, big old sign, y'all are going to hell. And I'm like, oh, that's... First of all, if I was a non-believer and I walked out, I'd be like, yeah, crazy Christian. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that. Here's the flip side. That we have believers responding to say, hey, I know the Bible, but you set aside the Bible, and you think you can love people better than God. Here's God's truth, but let's just set it aside, and everything goes. God will forgive. How do we walk in the tension of both extremes. How do you and I respond the right way? John chapter 1, verse 14 says this. The word, this is John's wonderful uh, description of Jesus. He's always calling him the word in John chapter 1. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have what, friends? We have seen his glory. In other words, John is literally telling you, listen, I saw Jesus. You guys have to know, I was with him, I saw his glory, and I need to tell you how he responded to people. I was there in the midst of it. And the rest of this verse says, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of what, friends? And grace and true. Full of grace and truth, and there is the tension. Because you and I have the tendency to swing one way or the other. Truth tells us 
that these are God's standards. This is how to get God's blessing in your life. Just go God's way. Listen, culture may change, but God's word never changes. His truth will stay the same for generations upon generations, forever, until he all calls this entire world back to him. It will never change. Culture changes, our methods and communication may change, but God's word stays the same. We don't dictate this. Although we like to, don't we? I'll tell you exactly what you need right here. Dads, this is you in parenting. But grace... Grace says that Jesus died for you while you were still spitting in his face. He looked at you and says, I still love you. As you keep spitting and keep doubting, I still love you. I know exactly what you did last night. I still love you. I still. Truth tells us you're accountable. Grace sits here and says you're forgiven. Grace says everything will be fine. Truth says you're broken right now. Grace says it's going to be okay, but truth says you've still got work to do. Grace says no matter what you've done in your life, I still love you. And truth says there is still accountability, though, for your actions. And this is the tension that you and I have when culture is shocking us and shifts on us, that we have it in our schools and we have it in our work in our neighborhoods. How do I respond appropriately? When I'm shocked the way that this culture is going. When I disagree with someone's lifestyle. What is the appropriate way? And we tend to lean one or the other. And we've all experienced this with our parents, right? We know who Grace was. We ran to mom. And we stayed away from Mr. Non-Grace, right? We know exactly. We wh- Why? Because we love grace. But look what John says. John says, hey, I was with Jesus. I want you to know he was, what's this word? Full. Caveat. Side note. Biblical writers write in order for reason. What comes first? And John says, listen, I saw him. He's full of grace and truth. Not half, not a little bit. His entire life, I watched him. He's full of grace and truth. And for you and I, as we like to shift and be all grace or shift and be all truth and we try to put Jesus I want more of the grace side of Jesus and all truth and we're really good when you and I mess up because what do you and I want to push Jesus towards grace and when someone does us wrong where do we want to push Jesus to in their lives Ah, they've done me wrong you need to speak some truth into them Jesus But I've done wrong, I I want grace. I want grace. Yeah, John says, ah, listen, friends. I watched him. And he's full of grace and truth. 
and John's not done. John's like, oh, I'm still excited. I'm like, Pastor Ron, I still got to keep going, baby. And he goes in chapter six, verse 16, it says, out of his fullness, out of his what? Out of this, right here, grace and truth, out of that fullness, we have all received grace in place of what? Already given. I sit back and go, I'm confused. Don't you just give grace? And John says, no, no, no. Out of this fullness that Jesus comes, listen, you get grace upon grace. And when you mess up again, you get another grace. And more grace. And more. It's grace upon grace upon grace. And it's already given to you. Whew! What would our families look like if we treated one another that way? What would, what would your school look like if you decided not to hold a grudge and offered grace? John... He ain't done still. He says, I got one more thing to talk to you about grace and truth, by the way. He says this, for the law was given through Moses. And we know this. We've seen the movies, right? Moses with the Ten Commandments. He comes down the Mount of Sion, right? And he's down there and he's like, I have the Ten Commandments. Here they are. Moses gets mad and he breaks them. We've seen the movies. We know. And John's like, hey, the law... Those things that you were to live your life by, it was given through Moses. But I want to tell you something. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He says, I saw the fullness of grace and truth. The law, that thing was back then with Moses. But I want you to know, this new thing, grace and truth, it's coming through Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. Without truth in our lives. Without truth, we're corrupt. Without grace, we're condemned. Without truth, we become very worldly. We'll go wherever the culture goes. But without grace, we're judgmental. And this is what the world is sick of in the church. Being judgmental. With, without grace, you're mean. But without truth, you're meaningless. And John's saying, you got to bring both of them Here's what I know, friends, that grace invites us to be free. We love it when we mess up and God gives us grace and picks us back up and says, yo, live, live, go in freedom. But here's the other thing. We know truth sets us free. We know what our boundaries are to live the, God, the lives that God is calling us to be. This is better situated in John chapter 8. Quick, small story. Jesus is going to... There's, the religious are trying to trap Jesus. They're like, ah, man, we don't know about how, we don't, they didn't know how to handle Jesus. They're like, ah, you're throwing the system all upside down. You know, we're all about this law of Moses. And Jesus says, oh, okay. The problem with that is I'm the fulfillment of that law. You got to watch me and how I do life. Remember, religious people, I'm God. And they're going to try to trap him. And in John chapter 8, it says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. In other words, he's back at church. And a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. 
as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Now stop right there and think about this. These people caught her in the act. What, what were they doing? Like, <laughs> that's funny right there. Like, what, what are they, are they going around looking in windows? Knocking on doors? Like, what in the world are they doing? How did they catch her in the act? That's a whole other story right there. But that's funny right there. You need to laugh better. You need to let, you need to just loosen up a little bit, grab a little more coffee, all right? That's funny right there. My mind's crazy. That's funny. All right. Now, where was I? Ah! They put her in front of the crowd. Hey, teacher. The other word maybe in your church. Rabbi. They said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And I want Jesus in this moment to say, well, how did you catch her in the act in the first place? But he doesn't. He's going to understand something about their motive. Hey, teachers of the law, hey, Pharisees, you're right. Our law does permit her to get stoned. You are so full of truth. But remember, I came full of grace and truth. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could, not use, they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. It's a whole nother message for you. I have a theory. I think it's pretty accurate, biblical, what he was writing. But isn't that strange? They're like, hey, Jesus, what should we do with this woman? And Jesus is like, ah, mm, okay, hold on, just, just a minute. And just starts writing. Watch this. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again. Said, All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. You do it. You're all perfect, right? Throw it. Stoner. Go ahead. Because you guys are living on the truth side. And then he got down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No. And she knew right there, her life could have ended. And they would have been right. Because they should have sinned. According to their law, dead. But these next words wrecked her life. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Why? Because I'm full of grace and truth. But Jesus, I... Uh, you're really not condemning me because you're calling me a sinner. Isn't that condemning? Well, am I, are you condemning or am I a sinner? What one? Yes. I don't condemn you. Now leave your life of sin. You really got to call me a sinner though? I mean, that's, that's kind of strong. Yes. Because I'm the embodiment 
of grace and truth. This is the classic example of what John says, full of grace and truth. And if I'm honest, I tend to be more truth sad. And if you put yourself into that story, I imagine for many of us, we're sitting there going, stone her. She wrong. She done wrong. Stone her. So what do you and I do when culture shifting, shocking, lifestyles we may or may disagree with, whatever it is, here's two things. We're going to hold high God's truth. You're going to hold high God's what? And then freely give God's grace. Freely give. Because that's exactly how I want Jesus to treat me. Full of grace and truth to get me back on the right path. Grace and truth. So what do you do? This is the setup for the rest of the three weeks. Next week, we're going to unpack grace. I want to tell you something. Next week's message has wrecked me. Like God is convicting me with next week's message. And that hurts sometimes. It's like, oh, I don't want to change. Okay, I have to. You win, right? The next week, we're going to look at how truth, how, how can we stand, on, stand firm on our, our beliefs and stand firm. What do you do when immigration's an issue? When abortion stuff's an issue? When gender identity is an issue? What do you do when your political party you don't agree with is in the White House? What do you do when marriage is getting redefined in states? What do you do when recreational drugs are becoming legalized now? What is your response? Grace and truth. And I leave with this last message. May we not live, live not in the balance between grace and truth, but as Jesus, the full measure of grace and truth. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we say here at this church, and you know it, live like Jesus. And there's so much tension living in an ungodly culture. How do we navigate life well and represent you well in the midst of all that? It will be inconsistent. It will be ugly at times and messy. It will be confusing. It will seem unfair, God. May every believer in Jesus this morning... May we be exactly like you. May we be full of grace and truth. That we're not balancing on a balance being, balance being between the two of them, God. That we are firm. We are overflowing grace. And we're overflowing truth at the same time. Would you help us, God, as we move forward? Would you move our hearts? Would you move our souls? And may we look more more like you in a culture that seems to be going 
further and further away from you. And we pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.